This Day in Crime is released every day, Monday through Saturday. For ad-free listening and exclusive bonus content, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. Let's start the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm Todd McComas, and it's Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. I spent my entire weekend trying to invent a new product that would change everyone's life for the better. And so far in my notebook, I've written down the words, floating couch. And I've drawn two pictures under those words. One of a guy pressing a button on the armrest of a couch, and another where the couch is floating in the air and the guy is running the vacuum on the carpet under the floating couch. I think it's a really solid idea, but I've hit that point in the invention process where I'm gonna need some engineering help. My skills are pretty much limited to concept. So if you know someone, hit me up. Now let's dive into some crime news. Here's my lead in. A Bupak Shakur update, two college campus killings, an update on the Rust movie trial, a McDonald's customer flips his lid, and the Florida Man Games. All coming up on this Day in Crime. Let's start things off in Michigan where a teenager has been charged in connection with the fatal shooting of a man who is known for exposing alleged sexual predators online. And no, I'm not talking about Chris Hansen. This victim was named Robert Wayne Lee II, best known online as Bupak Shakur. Is there any better username for a guy who jumps out and exposes sexual predators on camera? The answer to that question is no. There's not. Lee was shot in Pontiac, Michigan on September 29th of last year and died from his injuries. Now a 17-year-old boy who was 16 at the time of the shooting has been charged with his murder. We news reporters don't release the names of juveniles. I'm not a real news reporter, but I do play by the same rules. Here's the details of the shooting. According to the release, the victim, Lee, entered a restaurant around 10.30 p.m. The unnamed teen and his 18-year-old friend were already seated inside. Security footage shows Lee approach the friend. And then it shows the unnamed teen pulling out a gun from his waistband and firing multiple shots. Both teenagers then fled the restaurant and Lee eventually died from his injuries at a local hospital. Now, in case you were wondering, the prosecutor's office has said that there is no evidence to suggest that this altercation between the teenagers and Lee had stemmed from any of Lee's sting operations. And if this unnamed teenager is convicted, the judge will have the option to sentence him as an adult, which would mean he'd be facing life in prison. Which sounds like probably what he should get, because Lee's death was a tragic loss, not only for his family and friends, but also for the greater good. Lee had built up quite a fan base, pretending to be an underage girl and then arranging meetings with adult men so he could out them as pedophiles. So rest in peace, Robert Lee, because I, for one, think you were doing the Lord's work. And hopefully that means you got a spot in the VIP section. 
We have two separate college campus killings and an arrest made in each case. Let's start in Athens, Georgia, home of stand-up comedy legend Stuart Huff and the University of Georgia. 22-year-old Lakin Hope Riley was in her junior year at the Augusta University College of Nursing, which is located on the University of Georgia's campus. She had gone for a jog and was found dead on Thursday near a lake on the campus. Authorities have charged Jose Antonio Ibarra in Riley's killing. He's being held without bond and authorities say there's absolutely no evidence that Ibarra, who was not a student, knew his victim. Now there's been a lot of controversy and concern raised since Ibarra's arrest was announced and it's all surrounding his immigration status. And I am in no way picking political sides in this issue. So don't at me. I'm just reporting the facts. And the facts are that some people are pissed at the system because turns out Ibarra is an undocumented Venezuelan immigrant. And prior to Riley's murder, he's been arrested twice since illegally entering this country. But somehow he had managed to avoid further action by US Immigration and Customs Enforcement So he was still here in this country and able to do this to Riley, which has some people upset at the system. And one of those people was House Speaker Mike Johnson, who wrote on X on Saturday, offering prayers to Riley's family and calling on President Biden's administration to use its, quote, existing statutory authority and close the border, unquote. That seems like a pretty big ask. I reached out to the Biden administration myself for comment, but I haven't heard anything back yet. And I think it's mostly because I messaged the Commander Biden account on X, which I found out later is actually the account for President Biden's dog, a German Shepherd named Commander. Hence, Commander Biden. And I don't want to say that's misleading, but it is, at the very least, confusing. Our next college campus killing takes us to Campbellsville University a private Christian university in Campbellsville, Kentucky, which oddly enough, is the childhood home of stand-up comedy legend Stuart Huff. And I know what you're thinking, but calm down. I can personally vouch for this guy. He has no other connection to either case. Here's what happened in Campbellsville. 18-year-old Josiah Kilman was found unresponsive in his dorm room around 1 a.m. on Saturday morning. He was later pronounced dead at the hospital. On Saturday evening, the Greene County Sheriff's Office and Kentucky State Police announced that 21-year-old Charles Escalera had been arrested in connection with Kilman's death. Turns out both Escalera and Kilman were members of the wrestling team at Campbellsville University. Now keep in mind, this is very early on into the investigation, so we're going to have to wait for more details to be released, and that includes Kilman's cause of death, because there's been no autopsy yet. So all we know right now is that Escalera is being held on charges of murder and burglary. But we'll keep you updated because my detective senses are telling me it's going to be important that they both were on the wrestling team. But we'll see. If you're a Tenderfoot Plus subscriber, keep enjoying your ad-free experience. For everyone else, we'll be right back after this break. If you haven't been following the trial and the shooting death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the set of the Western movie Rust, here's what you've missed. The armorer, Anna Gutierrez Reed, is on trial for involuntary manslaughter and evidence tampering. 
So far, prosecutors are building a case that her sloppiness and lack of professionalism actually led to Helena's death. Now, just as a reminder, Helena was killed when actor Alec Baldwin pointed a pistol, he believed to be loaded with blanks, at Helena during a rehearsal. The gun, which was loaded with at least one real bullet, discharged and the real bullet struck the young cinematographer in the head. Baldwin claimed he never pulled the trigger, but he now faces involuntary manslaughter charges as well. But as for the armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, jurors were shown text messages on Friday that indicated Hannah was smoking weed the night before the fatal accident occurred on set. The reason this is important is because the prosecution is claiming that while she was smoking weed, she was in possession of ammunition that was to be used on set the next day. Six live rounds were found on the set, along with 250 dummy rounds and nearly 1,000 blanks. On Thursday and Friday, the prosecution showed the jury dozens of photos of rounds recovered from the scene. Among the photos was a container that included 36 dummy rounds with brass-colored primers and one live round with a silver primer. The live round could be seen in the middle row on the right-hand side. A live round mixed in with dummy rounds. So weed or no weed, sounds like someone was dangerously neglectful in their duties. And according to the prosecution, it was Hannah Gutierrez Reed's job to ensure the ammunition was properly separated. Now, I'm by no means anti-weed, but I will say if you're in charge of keeping dummy rounds, blank rounds, and real rounds separated on the set of a Western movie where lots of guns are going to be fired, you should probably avoid the one drug known for making you forget shit. A Boston man went to McDonald's Saturday and was not loving it. The man went to the McDonald's located at the South Station Transit Depot and became irate when an employee touched the lid of his drink. So irate, he punched the employee in the face several times. Now, I was happily surprised to learn that employees of the McDonald's inside Boston subway system aren't constantly being punched in the face. So the police treated it as a big deal and locked this maniac up. Now, you might be happy to hear that according to McDonald's rules for staffers, employees are required to wear gloves and regularly wash their hands at least once every hour if they work in the food prep area. Now, it's unclear if there are rules about touching food service containers, but unless you plan on licking the lid before you put the straw in it, who cares? I have two pieces of advice for this guy. Number one, if you're a germaphobe, don't eat McDonald's in the subway. And number two, you're way more likely to get germs from that person by repeatedly punching them in the face with your bare hands than you are from him touching your drink lid. Food for thought. I like closing on Florida Man stories, and this one is the Florida Man story of all Florida Man stories. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Florida Man Games. An event hosted in St. Augustine, Florida this past weekend. Promoted as the most insane athletic showdown on earth, the Florida Man Games pokes fun at the state's reputation for bizarre stories that involve brawling, drinking, gunfire, reptile wrangling, and other antics carrying a risk of time in jail or intensive care. 
The games kicked off Saturday with the Star Spangled Banner played on electric guitar. Does it get any better than that? Then spectators drinking canned beer behind metal barricades cheered and shouted expletives as a dozen teams battled in contests. Contests inspired by real events from America's most laughable character, Florida Man. Let's run through some of the events real quick. There's the Eat the Butt Challenge, which is fortunately not what it sounds like. In this event, competitors who dress the part race to finish a heaping plate of pork butt faster than everyone else. There's the weaponized pool noodle mud duel, which fortunately is exactly what it sounds like. Dudes beating the hell out of each other with beefed up pool noodles in the mud. There's the evading arrest obstacle course where competitors jump over fences and run through backyards while being chased by actual police officers. There's the category five cash grab where they let loose of a stash of cash in a category five wind tunnel and the competitors grab as much cash as they can. There's the Florida Sumo, where it's king of the ring time. You try to be the last man standing who hasn't spilled all their beer. And finally, and this event has the coolest name of them all, there's the catalytic converter, two bikes, and a handful of copper pipes, Race Against Time, which is a head-to-head -head race that lets the competitors live a day in the life of a Florida man headline. I love everything about this competition. Right down to the referees, who, by the way, were Nitro and Ice from the OG version of American Gladiators. Does it get any better than this? And if you're sad, like me, that you missed this year's event, go to thefloridamangames.com and make plans to attend next year's event. I guarantee you this. I'll be there next year. I'm just praying that I'm going to be there to help cover it in some capacity. So if you have any pool with the Florida Man Games board, I think I'm their perfect commentator. Just saying. That's going to be it for me. So make sure you tune in tomorrow for more stories with Laura Benson. I'll see you on Friday. This Day in Crime is a production of Tenderfoot TV in partnership with Odyssey. Produced in association with Bernie Mountain Productions. Sources for today's episode and full credits can be found in the show notes, and you can follow us on social media at This Day in Crime. We're back at it tomorrow. Thanks for listening.